this feels already strange with a guest in the room. We've gone straight for a spoiler there. We've got a guest in the room. Spoiler. Yes, it's not in the de- description or anything. Um, so welcome back to episode 40, Big Milestone. Did you find what yeah. material it is? It is ruby. Oh, you are right. Nice. <laughs> yes. Okay, so welcome to the, the ruby episode. There's a bit of an energy mismatch, I would say, for this one. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I would say I have energy. I'm usually throwing under the And bus. the two yeah. people I'm here with do not have energy. Or maybe not don't have energy, but have just been yawning like a little tennis match. I did not start this tennis match, though. I'd like it to be noted that I was unwillingly dragged into this tennis match and now I can't leave. Fair enough. I feel like I'm just umpiring the tennis match. I'm just watching you go back and forth and glaring umpiring at Umpiring and judging. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, as you, I was going to say, would have guessed, but as I have already said, we've got a guest this episode. So we're joined by Adam Simcox, film person. I don't know exactly... It's worth pointing out that Adam has had a brief appearance before. Yes, yeah. that's true. I'd forgotten about that. Um, so Adam was one of the people who did a little segment on the Halloween episode. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think I got numerous things wrong. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think that's one of the only episodes we've tried to do that had facts on it. Mm. Yeah, so I know. also think that we have spread lies pretty much constantly throughout <laughs> this whole podcast, so I think you're fine. Yeah, this, uh, this podcast is not fact-checked. Okay. That should probably Maybe be a we disclaimer. I'll just come on here to spread misinformation. Yeah, we are the fake news podcast. Nice. So yeah, so we've invited him back for some more film content. There's some more yawning going on in the room. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All the listeners will be yawning as well. Because that's like, if you keep saying yawn. Exactly. Yeah, maybe we should stop talking about yawning yeah, because it, it's, it's not going well. Let's just gloss over that. So I would say, would you like to give a tiny little introduction, just like an overview of your general film career? Who are you? Tell us. Tell us all about yourself. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think my main kind of claim to being a film person is just being a film student and mm-hmm. like everything that's come with uh, come with that. Yeah. So I just finished my master's, which was technically English, but I'm, I was doing film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before that, I did three years of undergrad. And kind of in that time, I've done... I've made films. I, I mainly write films, but I've directed very short things and then produced longer things for mm-hmm. other friends. Uh, other than that, I've written kind of reviews, done some volunteering at film festivals mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, I kind of dabbled in like the different areas. Yeah, I would say you're pretty well-rounded film sort of a person. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, I need to situation. stop calling you a film person because I don't really know. I mean, it's. I feel like that's the best description. Yeah. I don't know if. It'd be right to call me any. Well, that's thing. the thing because you can say artist as a very broad term. Mm. I don't know that I call myself an artist. But creator. But that's what I mean. Yeah, what's the film equivalent of artist? Because I think everything's a lot more specific. Which, to be fair, we can. Also, think everyone kind of has a bit more of a, a role. But yeah, I guess you have creatives. Like we were talking about it a couple of days ago with Mr. Bo Burnham being. Mr. Bo Burnham. Yeah, <laughs> a, a creative ways. Yeah, he's not specific to one medium. Yeah, and yeah. kind of within film he's done various things. So. Yeah, but I guess within film, yeah, you tend to have like directors, writers, editors. Yeah, like, yeah. Every, you fall into a more specific category, which even, I wouldn't say then, you've, you're not in yet, or you no, don't want to be, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I think I'd aim for writing, but I wouldn't say I'm kind of okay. great at that at the moment. Um, I mean, that's clear bullshit, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I feel like even even within those individual roles, you have people who people kind of cross over into different things. Like you have writer directors, you have yeah, producers true. who are also directors. And... Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> my, I my poor little slow brain cannot cope. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like the safe, amorphous cloud of artist mm-hmm. because this is something that we were that I was gonna. Or like I've spoken about before with you is the way that film as a creative process works so differently to fine art as a creative mm. process because I feel like I blob along just kind of like doing my practice and I have little like shoots that come off that maybe it's like oh I made a drawing this day that might go in an exhibition there but like I personally don't work in a way of a, a big project I know some people do like I know some artists will yeah do that sort of thing where they're like right so I'm going to design this big ambitious plan and then well, like Katie like, Patterson my yeah. fave or well, even like work with artists who work like maybe in a collection or series, like they'll have an overarching thing and then mm. produce lots of works to fill that thing. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say it's like that common. And I think even when that happens, it's 
I imagine, not as well formed as it is in film. I could I be wrong. It really, it really depends, though. I suppose because, like, you, I think the most kind of well-known film process is the very commercialized one, where mm. it's sort of like we've got to have everything perfectly prepared before we actually start filming it. Like, I know um, one of my favorite d- directors, Joanna Hogg, will um, kind of write a scenario and like general beats people need to hit, but then just lets her actors like improvise on oh, the day. That's interesting. And it reminds so. me of like. The Office <laughs> on a less uh, cultural, well, a less probably more academic note. Impactful, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I've been listening to the Office Ladies podcast. Ah. I recommend, and they talk a lot about you know the behind the scenes of the Office, and I think that's really the main way that I've learned about any kind of filming process because they go so in depth. They do you know a, like a podcast episode on every single TV episode. Um, and like really break it down and they say I mean obviously TV is different from film in many ways I imagine but like they do a similar thing where they have a script but then there's loads of improvising and mm. then they'll kind of because that was a weird one because it's like a mockumentary and they almost did shoot it as a documentary with the improvising and stuff and then they cut it all together afterwards so it's not like you say they don't go in with a this is exactly what the finishing product finished product's going to look like and let's make that they kind of go in with a, a framework of like we're going to operate within this and then we'll see what we can do from that mm-hmm. it's more of a like iterative process i think yeah that one's a really interesting one as well because i can imagine as that went on and the actors kind of inhabited those roles more mm. they kind of as as different writers came into the writer's room or whatever they, they probably had a bit more of a grasp as to like what that character was at that mm. point it's very method yeah i guess like kind of yeah, just by nature of, of that process, it becomes slightly methody. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, like, I know earlier, I say earlier, we've not been recording <laughs> for long. five minutes ago. About five <laughs> minutes ago. Um, maybe even less than that. Um, <laughs> you kind of said something about, um, I guess, like, the way artists work and kind of their practice and that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you have a practice? Like, is that mm. something you describe yourself as having or... I, I don't know, like, I think me and Anna spoke about this briefly when we were talking about potential guests for the podcast, and obviously your name came up, and I kind of said to Anna, I was like, I don't, I'm guessing we talk about film, but, like, I wasn't sure how to conduct, like, an artist interview, mm. because I don't know, obviously, I don't know much about film, but also I wasn't sure if you had a practice I could ask you about, if that made sense. Well, you always come up with such good questions. What can I say? She's <laughs> actually my uh, my favourite host on the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, we're making it. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We've got quite a while to go. <laughs> it's going to be a frosty episode. <laughs> Devoted. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> got to move past that now. Yeah, let's just skim over that. Uh, no, I think... Um, it's it's I think you could uh, ask that to many different people who are in film and they'd give you very different answers. Mm. Like I know Jacob, one of our kind of mutual friends. Oh yeah. Um, totally. is I describe him as having more of a practice because he's like, oh, I'm gonna make a film, and I'm gonna kind of come up with another one and go through that, and that seems more like a general practice. Mm-hmm. Whereas mine, I guess, is a lot looser because I'm a lot less concrete on exactly where I want to go with it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of every now and then I'll have an idea for something that I kind of can't not write and I just go with that and try to get someone else to to make it in the end so it's a very like loose process I guess but Mm. it'd be it would feel disingenuous to call it a practice I suppose I think that I mean again to bring it back to the old fine art film comparison I feel like it's easier for people even if we're just looking at students like fine art students and film students. I think fine art has a lot more like room for independent, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. You have a lot more, obviously there's a framework of what you're doing, but it's very much you kind of, even the essays are very much just like write about an artist, like it's so loose. And then obviously half of your, what you do on your course is just making your own work. And I imagine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like a film, there's still room to like make your own films but it seems to me like it's, though, at least, you know, comparing my degree and your degree, there was a little bit more structure to yours, which I guess then gives you less space to have a quote-unquote practice as such. Like, it's not that it's any less valuable at all, but it's like, it's always struck me that film seems a bit more academically, uh, I don't know. Inclined. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I, d- I don't want to be that person to make a weird academic distinction, but I, I, think, I yeah. think that comes into it, maybe. 
I think, yeah, it's another one of those ones where it's dependent on where you go. I think, like, mm-hmm. my, where I went, I went to Kent, the University of Kent, mm-hmm. and um, that w- was generally a lot more, like, academically structured. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've heard, kind of, even with your guys' uni, I think the course is generally a bit more sort of practice-based. Mm-hmm. But even that is, it's less, like, um, from what I've seen, at least from what, when I was looking at different unis, it's a lot less, like, we're going to develop a portfolio, it's more like we're going to maybe make a short film and show you how it's done and then the rest of your time you're going to be making your dissertation piece which will be like a bigger film yeah i feel like as well because films are more like we said more of a project like more of a a, a bigger commitment than for example a drawing it's kind of easier to build up a quote-unquote practice of smaller drawings and things and yeah, have a bit of a, portfolio. a bigger body of work yeah, yeah. whereas like I guess it's like little and often, and then yeah. you know you may, you might have over the course of your degree. I think. Do you say you did two films? So yeah, I kind of um. That's why yeah, my course was very loose with whether we wanted to do go into practice. So mm. I picked because you had to take one module in particular to do to be able to do the later filmmaking modules. So I ended up taking that one. I think that was really the only film I made for my course. But then the other stuff I made was kind of like external to that. Mm. So yeah, like, but it's it's that kind of interesting thing though, where I I guess um filmmakers might be working kind of just as long as artists, but if they've made like one film, they maybe would be hesitant to call themselves filmmakers at that point. Yeah, I get that, which seems kind of unfair. But yeah, yeah it's it's a weird one. I guess it's interesting thinking about like how comfortable feel with the labels that come with various creative sectors, because I know, I know there's like a big thing about calling yourself an artist and like if someone who you've never met before comes up to you and is like oh so like what do you do it feels weird to be like I'm an artist but Mm. also I literally have a studio and I have a fine art degree like I am an artist Mm. but it's just an odd I don't know I think socially it's got yeah a whole like can of worms there oh absolutely yeah it's I think it's a weird one as well like I think I think different people would be more comfortable with the filmmaker label after making one film uh as well yeah true I guess it depends on like whether you're specifically targeting at that sort of a fake it till you make it like yes I'm yeah well this is the thing I again I don't know if this is kind of biased but like I I think it's easier to call yourself an artist <laughs> without much like to back you up like you could be doing any line of work and then if you're doing some art on the side if you'd like to call yourself an artist I think you can I think people do, do you know what I mean like you don't have to have like a big exhibition or like have made a certain amount of money through your art to call yourself an artist whereas I feel like with film again maybe this is because I'm comparing a field that I'm in versus a field that I'm not in Mm. but like I feel like with film it almost like it feels like it requires more uh like if someone's going to call themselves a filmmaker they're going to have to have made a film and in and of itself making a film is a bigger undertaking I think than maybe some art I don't feel like I'm no, making I think... weird divides and also probably offending one field or another yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's Which like, I, I should just claim that my perspective's like very kind of narrow like I imagine um video artists as a whole other domain so mm. they'll have films that they can make on their own and yeah things. that's true so they'll be a lot more able to kind of create a wide body of work and stuff so like I, I feel like I have a very specific kind of perspective but um that's fair uh, I'll continue talking about it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think um, I think you're right though. I think there's a level of if you're working and just making films on the side, then firstly you're gonna make films very slowly, so you'll have less to show for it. And then also there'll be the element of like if you're building up to make your film, you may have worked for like months on it and mm. won't have anything to show, so mm. you'll be very kind of hesitant to be like oh yeah I'm, I'm a filmmaker or something like that as your primary th- you'll, you'll be like oh yeah like I work in banking or whatever yeah yeah but then yeah like you were saying you're right in that uh, uh, yeah giving yourself any label in terms yeah. of your profession is really bizarre like I had it the other day when I was leaving the house and there was like a workman was coming in and he was like oh yeah you have to work and I was going to the studio and I was like uh I'm going to the studio and he was like oh what, what do you do and I was like I'm an artist and it was just that really surreal thing of like why does nobody just tell me that I'm an artist yeah. or not why can I not sign a contract that says <laughs> well I think that's I'm it isn't it like when you start a new job and you sign the contract it will have like your job title in the contract like yeah. you are this but like when you're self-employed or like working independently or whatever you don't get that 
And I think maybe that feeds into why it's, it can be so difficult to be like, yes, I am an artist, or like, yes, I am a filmmaker, mm-hmm. even if it's not how I earn my money, or like, maybe it's not even predominantly what I do, but also, I don't know, if you're pursuing that interest like seriously, and like you're spending your free time working yeah, towards yeah. it, then like, why can't you call yourself that? Yeah. In fact, yeah. I definitely think you should call yourself that. I guess it's a strange distinction between at what point it becomes serious. Like, because at the moment, I'm I'm doing very little art. And yes. yet also, I feel more like an artist now than I did when I was a student. Yeah. I'm no longer a student. So it's like, it's yeah, it's all it's all very much in your head. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rather than, like, tangibly what you've made. Although, obviously, both feed into it, but... Yeah, and I, I think um, there's... I don't know if you guys have had this, but I think there's a level of... Because the film industry can be very kind of commercial because of the costs involved. A lot of the people who are able to kind of just like disconnect and be like, yes, I'm a filmmaker, are going to open a lot more doors for themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like a commercial or financial incentive to be able to call yourself that filmmaker and not be kind of hesitant, which That's adds like a whole other weird dynamic to it. Yeah, I think we've stumbled into a very interesting area here of commercial, commercial com- commercialism. You right that? <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> just some help. <laughs> of what is that word? Like commerciality, I don't know. Is that a word? I don't what know. You... I'm doubting everything. Well, okay, right, okay, so basically what I'm saying is another like... Like commercialism is probably... We'll make it a word. We know, everyone knows what I mean. So you sort of started saying letters and then the letters <laughs> turned into a word and then you sort of stopped and I was like, okay. <laughs> I just broke a little bit, but um, it's fine. We're rebooting. Um, I feel like this episode is just turning into let's compare film and fine art, but... Hey-ho. Here we well, are. Because I think, yeah, there's another interesting difference between like how commercial film is versus how commercial fine art is, because in film you've got a big divide. Or maybe not a big divide, but there's a big commercial presence in yes. film, which I don't think you have to the same extent in fine art. There's definitely, you know, there's a whole... We've spoken about it many a time. There's a whole commercial thing going on in fine art, but it's not... I don't think it's as regular for people to go... You know, people go to the cinema to see a film, whereas I don't think... You'd maybe go to an art gallery, but even that's quite a... A, a more niche activity. I don't know. I don't think that. I don't feel like people just go like, art. oh yeah, what should we do? Yeah, all right, we'll go to an art gallery. Like, I feel like you have to have some kind of yeah. base interest in art yeah. to do that. From like a really like outsider's perspective, it seems like fine art is painted in far kind of more general terms than film is potentially. Like when when you think of fine art, you think there's there's like a level of concept mm. or like someone's thought this through a bit more, whereas mm. like. When you think of film, like, I think people tend to think of, like, just going down the cinema and having kind of a good time. Yeah, I think yeah. film is more accessible in that way, or yeah. can be more accessible. But then I imagine, I don't know how it, what it looks like to you in terms of, I imagine there's a scale from, like, commercial to art films. And yeah. I don't know where you see yourself on that scale. That's like, or, that's or like your a understanding of that of is. Like, that's like, um, kind of almost on the level of like whether I can call myself a filmmaker it's, it's Sorry. that kind of no but it's, it's <laughs> coming with existential crisis it's right that really there. difficult thing because I think um people have very different priorities I've always seen like and I've talked to friends about it where um I've always liked to imagine that I could be kind of on the cusp of both but I, I feel like that's quite wishful thinking at times I mean to be honest I, what, I, same I, all, I often think about that with my art it's that thing of like how can I be a serious artist but make money yeah I think it's it's that and like having and, and being accessible like I think there's yeah, there's like a huge value to very uh, conceptual and and kind of avant-garde stuff but I think as as someone who's struggled with that there's I'd like to almost be the gateway drug to that rather than like pretending to be very um mm. like well-versed in that kind of cinema <laughs> Is this <laughs> I just I love the fact that you referred to yourself as a gateway <laughs> drug like, I would like to be the gateway drug <laughs> I'm, I love that for you. I, I hope your dreams come lives. true. <laughs> I've never considered how being accessible also ties into. <laughs> I've like, never considered being a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll try it. You know, Ooh. I'd like to be a gateway drug. Um, Sorry, I really derailed this. <laughs> but I genuinely, we've talked so much about being commercial, but it's never occurred to me how much there's a relation between being commercial and being accessible. Because being commercial mm. seems like, or at least in fine art circles, seems like the enemy. Whereas I don't feel like being accessible feels like the enemy as much, or shouldn't feel like Yeah, because I I think, I don't, I haven't really applied this thought process to other creative sectors, but particularly with fine art, like commercial 
art it just is more accessible than fine art like it always will be fine art is mm. always conceptual and it's always in white cube and it's always like the stuff that sells for you know like you go to art galleries and they're like oh it's a banana on a wall <laughs> two million dollars like yeah. it's that kind of thing like that's not accessible to a very large majority of people as commercial art it's art that's printed on notebooks and prints that you can buy and mm. You know, it's actually, it could be a fiver, like that's very accessible mm. and you can order it online or like you could just pop into like, I don't know, I'm thinking even if you go to places like WH Smith, like their card section, that's all come from designers, maybe some of them have been artists as well. Like I think, yeah, particularly fine art, I'd say commercial is more accessible. Yeah. But also I haven't, like I said, I haven't applied that thought process to other creative sectors, like I don't know if that. Does that apply to film as well, do you think? Yeah, I feel like that's generally the case. And and there's um there's this really weird tension as well, because I think the less kind of easily accessible stuff gets a really bad rap. Like I'm sure you guys have had it where where people like are very skeptical towards fine art in general. <laughs> where like they don't get the concept or something, mm. and so they are very defensive or whatever. And I think like that's the same with films. So there's this desire to not kind of betray the concept you have mm. but there's also that desire for like people to get it and like want to watch it or whatever but yeah I, I do think kind of commercial commercial commerciality <laughs> and commercial viability and accessibility kind of go fairly hand in hand and the guys are really well known I think are the ones who managed to have both of those things in balance but don't seem like they're pandering mm. um so yeah i know it's it's like a really there's that really weird tension i think whenever you speak to people and in film or at least a lot of the people i've met they're all a lot of people are on a similar-ish wavelength where they're like oh we want to have stuff that people will want to watch and like be able to kind of will grip them but will kind of show them something they haven't seen before but it's like where the people draw that line as to what is accessible and what's like overly conceptual and stuff is really different and that's when those conversations turn kind of weird because then people kind of show like either they mm-hmm. just hate conceptual kind of avant-garde stuff or they're really into it or yeah yeah i think potentially that's kind of a- across the board slightly because obviously fine art is just so well known for that like you know I think when you ask the average person about like fine art or like art galleries or a particular piece of work, it's usually like, why don't get that? Mm. Like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, for example, like Damien Hirst, like he's the one that does all the like shark in a tank, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That's just obviously a very well-known example, like big shark in a tank. Mm. You know, if you ask people, like, it's art. And they're like, it's a, it's a shark in a tank. Like, yeah. shut up. It's a shark in a tank. Yeah, you need I to think stop. that's the thing. Like all of the kind of not all, but a lot of the uh, more well-known artists, like Damien Hirst, Tracy Emin, mm. you know, on her unmade bed. Kind of, yeah. it's very very easy for people to see the like, sums well, of money. It's not art. It's just it's yeah. a thing. Like it's it's a shark in a tank. Like it's a bed. Like, yeah, it is. But also, I think the reason I find fine art very interesting, even though I'm not a very conceptual person slash artist, <laughs> um, is that like. Yeah, it's, I don't know, an unmade bed or like a shark in a tank. But actually, if you look like any deeper, mm. it's usually got a really interesting story to it. Like, you don't have to agree with it and you don't have to consider it art. Because I think a lot of people, when they think of art, they think of drawings or paintings or very traditional kind of sources, which, fair enough, those are my favourite too. But mm. also, I don't know, shark in a tank, got quite an interesting story behind it. Same with the unmade, unmade bed. Like, there's mm. something it brings, which I think if you apply a little bit of... I don't know, research or like thought or interest to mm. like reveals itself and actually it's really interesting. Like you don't have to love it as a piece of work that you'd necessarily want to have on your wall, but it's also quite cool. It's that thing of people get quite defensive when they don't understand something. Yeah. yeah. And people and often find art is hard to understand initially. Yes. <laughs> and then as soon as you maybe are told a bit more about it, it kind of opens itself up to you and then you be like, oh and then you can have mm. a more genuine emotional response to it, even if you still don't like it. Yeah. But it's just not that. I mean, I think we all get it. Like, I absolutely get it. I'll go around an art gallery and if I don't, especially if there's no text on the wall or like, I don't yeah. know. It's just that immediate like knee-jerk reaction of like, I don't, don't, don't get it, don't like it. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's kind of um, with film, there's, because I've definitely had it where I've, I tend to like 
slower and weirder things but because I don't see myself as like an overly kind of intellectual person like I don't really get a lot of the really high concept stuff I I tend to think that what I like has some relation to kind of myself and like my experience of the world that's I, I think can generally be quite universal and so there's that like desire to go and show that to people and you kind of have an assumption that if people were able to just kind of sit and watch it that there'd be a a deep appeal for that and so there's that weird kind of I, I think for me at least that there's been that weird realization of like different people have different levels of like accessibility they're willing to kind of have or like let go of in order to get that underlying appeal and it's weird how different those levels are like I because as I say like um I, I don't see myself as like a very artistic person and I think that's almost come from not doing a lot of that stuff when I was younger. And like originally I was going to go and do maths and stuff. Mm. And so coming into film after that, I kind of assumed that I was a bit of a a, a layman and not really like artistic or anything. And and so, yeah, I, I, I think um, it's weird where people draw that line. And I think in film that is kind of laid bare quite a lot because people, people watch a lot of films, but it's, people watch a lot of different kinds of films and, mm. and people just draw that line very differently and mm. um, it can be kind of frustrating but also kind of really exciting because because people have that gateway in mm. they're um, down to watch a bit more yeah which I feel like it's harder for you guys as fine artists yeah yeah definitely I think the fact that I think that's what's always weird when you start a conversation with someone who's like I really like films you don't really know if they yeah where where exactly. on the scale they lie and therefore you mm. don't know but yeah like lots of people watch loads of films go to the cinema a lot and wouldn't necessarily call themselves like any kind of I don't know like critically engaged film yeah. watcher. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I think I fall into that category. I like, mean, I'm not. Even I close like a to good film. Yeah. I enjoy a good cinema trip. Yeah. And and like couldn't he... tell you a single critical thing about <laughs> film. Ever. Even, even it doesn't like even that like the the level of engagement can be wildly different because you have various things like now with the big franchises there there's a level of viewer that will just know all the kind of weird facts mm. about like what happened like know a whole world yeah and like know exactly like what happened in what plot line whereas someone else would be like oh i know the general themes of what's going on here mm, that's and true. so that th- there's that level of like i i as a film student there's kind of an assumption that you know a lot about a lot and <laughs> i really don't and yeah. so I'll, I'll run into someone who's like who loves marvel films or something and i will not have like that much to speak to them about which Mm -hmm. can be a kind of weird realization yeah i think that's the thing because there is so much film in the mainstream you just can't know everything about everything and then when you come in and you go i'm a film student then yeah if you've hit on someone who has like a really specific knowledge like you say in one universe you're the not the way that you know film is different to the way that they know film. And yeah. so they don't quite necessarily match up. I guess going off that as well, like I've always found it really interesting how I don't really know how to like describe this, but I think essentially it's like when someone is like, I like this film, or like when someone's like, Did you think that film was good? Mm-hmm. And for me, I base a film on solely whether I enjoyed it or not. Yes. I'm like, yes, I think that film is good because I enjoyed it and I had a good time watching it. Mm. But I do find that interesting that that is apparently not how critics work in the film world. They don't just do it. I liked that film, therefore 10 stars. Like, apparently that's not how it works, which is shocking. It's really really interesting, like, where different people draw the line. Because I I know I've been in film groups where the people who you would think are, like, more critically engaged or, like, arguably are very critically engaged are rebelling against that kind of sense of almost elitism mm. where it's like they're like oh I like this film because it does something interesting and I'm, I've not just been numbed to the style <laughs> here like it's so they kind of go off that like the priorities shift in different groups and um yeah I don't know like I, I was reading something yesterday about um the because there's always been that kind of vague assumption that what critics or a growing sense of what critics like and what um the average film goer likes is very different i was reading uh, a study yesterday that kind of almost confirmed that and saw the role kind of the role of critics is more so to almost act as that friend who knows a weird amount about films that you know will give you good recommendations mm-hmm. as opposed to like someone who is able to tell what the 
general consensus about a film will be. So yeah, I, I don't know, I think what people judge films on still varies so much. Like, there's that orthodox view of, like, oh, it's not just, like, what I like. But I think, like, that's almost coming back in, in a weird way. Mm, that's interesting. Because, I, I, yeah, it's that weird thing of, like, that sense of, like, oh, I should like this or something. Or, like, oh, I appreciate what this is doing, but I don't enjoy it or something. Mm. I think it's interesting that people are now deciding to probe into, like, a bit more, at least, into, like, why don't I like that as much? Not to say that critics haven't done that in the past, but it's kind of fun to get away from the elitism a little mm. bit. Yeah, because I do think film criticism is a interesting genre in that I don't know that any other um, art form has quite a as prominent a, a criticism counterpart. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's absolutely, you know, people who critic, critique music and yeah, fine critics and all like, of them, Yeah, there's but... everything, but I do feel like film criticism... Like, I film critic like is, like, a very... Mainstream. Yeah, like, I'd put it on par with, like, a food critic. Like, they are... Mm. Since I was very young, I've known that they are a job role. Like, they are a job that you can yeah. get. It's, like, it's... you are a food critic or you are a film critic. But yeah. like it, it's part of that, like, commercial kind of apparatus of the film industry, in a way, because you have critics who will, like, sell quotes to... Like, not to say that they'll write their reviews in order to sell it to someone, although I'm sure someone has somewhere. There's that level of like, oh, can we use this quote on our poster to sell our film? So these things like super intertwined, uh, I think, and that's potentially part of the reason film critic is seen as kind of a, a huge thing is because historically they have been able to sell films and like mm. make or break them. I feel like we've been speaking very broadly about film as an industry, which nothing wrong with that, but as we have you here, may I sort of talk about some things <laughs> you've done? Because I mean, I would say you've done some, as well in film criticism, you've done some film critics stuff. Yeah, I'm trying very to, amateur stuff. I mean, you, you really don't, it's, none, none of us <laughs> what here What was are, the verdict you gave? Yeah, none of us here are wildly professional in any of our fields, so <laughs> I don't want I don't to. know what you're on about, I am a seasoned professional right now. <laughs> I'm actually making millions off my art, so. <laughs> um, yeah, but you've done, I'm trying to just, in my head, untangle what was like through a course and what was like just off your own back because I know on your year out you wrote some essays was that like film criticism yeah like I... oh no and you did some just general yeah, yeah on my year I did like um I'd like to think it was a fairly consistent kind of critical blog thing mm-hmm. where I was dabbling that in that to see if I could do it but yeah I've done other various things like I want I, well, I took a class in pursuing that while I was at uni and um I've always been vaguely interested in that because I think there's always that assumption that you've got to have an opinion as a film student. So I think that's always kind of stuck with me mm, that yeah. if I find a good film student, I should kind of think these things through a bit more. And so I think that's where like the desire to go into criticism came from a little bit is that I don't want to just um, not have an opinion on this film. I'd like to have an opinion and have it thought through. So if someone challenged me, I could like show them where I'm coming from or mm. something. It is weird to... I mean, when you're a film critic, you're paid to have an opinion. I think I'd be quite bad at that. I don't have opinions very well. That's the thing. I don't think, like, I think outwardly I can seem fairly opinionated, but I think that's always really come from that... the... Sorry. <laughs> I, I think that's come from the, like, film studenty thing, though, um, and, like, being in various film societies and things. It's, it's almost like an expectation that you're more interesting if you have an opinion or something. Would you say Adam seems like an opinionated person? Let <laughs> me put you on the no, spot. Not really. Well, no. not I wouldn't say you're not opinionated, but also I would if someone says like, oh, they're a very opinionated person, mm. I usually take that as maybe <laughs> not an overly nice yeah, personality right, trait yeah. to have. Like I think calling someone opinionated or like having someone describe to you as opinionated, I think usually conveys a sense of um they're quite I don't know, maybe loud or argumentative or like a willing to kind of almost bicker with you over things. Yeah. Or like maybe you're a bit condescending. Like essentially, mm. I've, I've always viewed it as like a slightly negative personality trait. Someone's like, oh, they're very opinionated. But also, yeah, you don't strike me as not opinionated. Maybe you are opinionated, but you don't come across in that way. Mm. Like I've always very much thought that like you've come across as very like calm and like willing to discuss things even if the person you're talking to doesn't know. Like, I think we've had conversations where, like, 
I've asked you questions and I've always found it really like useful the way you've described things to me like you've never come across as like condescending or like weirdly like Mm. well this is my opinion like this is fact like it's always come across as like you know this is what I think and you sort of almost like preface it by saying like my opinion (laughs) yeah which is definitely a good way of doing things yeah I, I think that's like the argumentative thing I think is maybe not seen as wholly negative in those kind of circles that I've been in, where there's that sense that almost um, you kind of get at the truth by being argumentative. Mm. I think that's, yeah, like why um, I see myself as, as kind of, it sounds really like <laughs> self-derogatory, but, um, but like kind of a poser in that sense. Like uh, there's a desire to be that kind of opinionated person in, mm-hmm. in that kind of combative way. But I think I'm slightly... I don't know, it's slightly like mild or too mild to be that person. So I kind of vacillate between wanting to to go one way or not. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'd say, I know this is like weirdly turning into like a personality. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I don't mind. (laughs) No, no, I I started that. I also see directly what your opinion was on if you were opinionated. But yeah, like I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because I find that, like I said, the kind of slightly negative attribute I kind of associate with being called opinionated like I think if you're someone who like you said there's almost like a time and a place for it and within that time and place I think maybe because you're not naturally like this like in every day maybe that means like in those areas you're able to excel because you're like no this is something I want to be able to achieve this is a way I want to come across but I know when it's needed and I think that maybe some people who have like you know quote unquote here a personality that is opinionated mm. doesn't have that quality and I think that's that's the bit I struggle with is when mm. people are maybe quite argumentative or like combative and you're like mate I'm just trying to have a conversation yeah. with you like this isn't the time or the place mm. yeah I don't know it's interesting but it's yeah like I I, I definitely I think I, I feel that too there's even yeah it's that like where where's that come in I think in in film that can come in quite immediately i think i'm i'm talking from a very kind of like undergraduate perspective film society kind of perspective where uh, even the casual conversations there's something slightly underneath where it's like your mm. uh, kind of social role is determined by like how how strong your opinions are yeah i was gonna say uh, film sounds stressful <laughs> i would not really last weird, one session <laughs> it's a really weird and and like not everyone's like this but i think i think there's a structure there almost where it's like um your group likes vaguely similar films kind of thing so there's yeah i don't know it's, it's a weird like dynamic that goes on and i think um recently it's come into interesting discussions about like social issues and things like that where like there'll be a certain like view of a, a film and how it d- depicts a certain thing and so um like discussions about that can get kind of like tumultuous in a way because mm. there's like a social kind of harm comes into it a bit more so that can be kind of like even harder ground to to cover a little bit uh, where you're not quite sure about like how it depicts something and whether that's uh, problematic or not Mm, that's a good point like I suppose yeah I can see why it would get a bit tense if you're talking about a film but actually you're talking about a a serious issue through the lens of this film and then if you yeah you discover there's a difference of opinion you're like huh that's not an opinion that I even feel comfortable being around, then you're going to get a bit... Yeah. Because there's a lot going on about The Little Mermaid at the moment, isn't there? Oh, God, there? yeah. I'm, see, it's I live like... under a rock with these things. <laughs> oh, Anna. <laughs> yeah, that one's an interesting one, because um, the lady who got cast as the new Little Mermaid in live-action film is black, and, everyone, and, and oh, a I lot have of people seen... are like, ooh, Disney's being too woke. All them. I've seen mm. around that is I saw a TikTok that was like, a load of black kids reacting to the trailer. I have also seen and that. It was, it was so emotional. I, yeah, yeah. So that's all I've seen about it. I didn't know that there was drama, but to be honest, it's it, it kind of doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I think it's something like the um the trailer has already like the trailer's only just been released and it's already amassed like one point five million dislikes on oh YouTube. With, like so many people have had such a strong Sounds reaction. Like yeah, and like that's like the world. I just. I think the one that, like, like I've seen a lot of people kind of arguing about it, and just the one that I've always really enjoyed is someone was like, there's been a lot of discourse over whether Little Mermaid should be black. I'm here to tell you that a mermaid is a mythical thing. <laughs> it's a mermaid. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, fair point. <laughs> and they were like, I murmur, it's a fish, like, calm down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Like, and, and I think it can get even more complex and weird when it gets into the kind of the slightly more art world, where that, that seems to be, like, a even that's got, like, weird nuances where it's like, oh, mm. is Disney doing this for the right reasons kind of thing? But, like, I think that one's a fairly, like, straightforward, like, yeah, that's probably a quite good thing yeah but like yeah i don't know you get to, to certain art films where it's like um it, de- it depicts one issue really well and like another one kind of poorly and and those discussions can be kind of like difficult to tread as like a film student who like we study film we don't really study or certain people don't study certain issues because you have like queer film studies and things like that which do go into social issues but um yeah i don't know it's it's it can be a really weird ground for someone such as myself who is slightly less inclined that way, even though I'd like to be, because that's mm. what's seen as valuable. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a good example, but I can't think of one. I think... <laughs> it's the eternal story of being on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think like there was an interesting one with a film called, called Titane, which I really liked, and like I know uh, a lot of film students really liked. Sorry, I just remember you telling me about the plot and it was being strange. Yeah, it's it's a very strange film. Do you um, know about it? Do you no. want to do a brief synopsis? So it's it's I don't know if I can I will give um, you the vibe. When I vibes. say synopsis yeah. vibe, I mean yeah. vibe. It's it's like about um this person who is she's kinda like injured in a car crash when she's very young mm. and gets like a metal plate fitted. And it seems like she's almost attracted to like mechanical things after that. And so she she has like a weird kind of fetish for cars. You see, yeah, strange vibes. It's it's very weird. And then she goes on like a murderous rampage. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very weird, but it's fantastic. And um, <laughs> what was it called again? Uh, Titane. It's a French film, so okay. it's it's like I think that's the French word for titanium. Okay. And yeah, it's there's an interesting discussion about gender within it because she at one point in order to kind of like hide in plain sight she sees that this guy's son has gone missing and so she changes her body in order to pretend to be the guy's son and so there's like an interesting discussion about gender and like that's very baked into the film like there's a moment where like there's one moment where like all these firemen, these buff guys are like dancing together, and it's kind of seen like <laughs> this film is all so weird. It's 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 great, trust me. Um, <laughs> but like they're all dancing together, and it's very kind of homoerotic, and they're like all chill with it. And then suddenly, um, this uh, who is presenting to them as a boy kind of starts dancing in a very kind of effeminate way, and kind of isolated and so they're all suddenly like hang on a minute like not sure about this Mm. so there's this kind of like discussion about gender going on about like gender fluidity and things and it's really like I as someone who knows relatively little about the subject it's a really interesting film to me but I can't quite like express why and I've seen various things either way like I, I saw an article about kind of decrying it a little bit as reinforcing that view of uh, that that kind of stereotypical narrative like in psycho and things where you have someone who is presenting as another gender using that to like victimize other people kind of thing and so like i can i can empathize with that but then like it also seems like it's got something valuable to to say about like how socially constructed gender is Mm. and so there's like it's one of those ones I really don't know how to discuss it with people and some people are very opinionated on it and I'm, I just don't quite know like where I fall in that. And so... That's so interesting. Yeah, I think it comes back to that thing we were saying earlier of how, when we were talking about film criticism and how it's kind of frowned upon to just be like, I like this, I found that interesting. And instead, you know, to be kind of critically well received, you need a whole kind of list of, or, you know, a whole essay about how it relates to various film history and what it's saying about you know, socio-political issues today yeah. and like you need to have a whole a whole opinion kind of well thought out and ready to go. And I do think that sometimes, yeah, you can just be like, I enjoyed that, I liked that, or I find it interesting, but I can't quite put my finger on why. Sometimes if you like something, you don't even... I'm more, Sometimes I'm just not even interested about why I liked it. I'm like, I enjoyed that, I'd watch it again, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, there's definitely... There should be more room for just being like, 
I find this interesting and I'd like to discuss why without any kind of political agendas or like without anyone telling me what I should feel about it and it's necessarily it's, yeah and it's it's one where like um you kind of completely like I, I I'm very much of the opinion that like everything is inherently political one way mm. or the other so like I completely empathize with people who are like strongly opinionated on something mm -hmm. like it yeah. affects them or someone they know and things um so I'm, I'm uh, yeah like I don't want to come across as as being like, oh, why is everything so political? Yeah, like, I, I, I think like point. it's it's important to discuss those things, but like, yeah, as you say, it's um, I think sometimes it's fair enough to have a very general opinion and and like, even in having that, be open to people criticizing that opinion. But mm. like, yeah, yeah, because I'm realizing now that like having an opinion on something <laughs> is a whole thing. And I was talking <laughs> to you about this the other day, where I was saying that I often feel like I'm not very good at having an opinion. Don't mm. know if you feel like that, like. I, 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 yeah. I, especially if you've come across something, I guess this doesn't happen as much with film, but like with music, sometimes you'll just come across things on Spotify and you'll listen to it and you'll just have no idea of like how it relates to anything else, or like what genre it is, if this person's well known, if this person's done problematic things. Like you can come across things in just like a vacuum. Mm. And I think I'm, I, yeah, I think it's so easy to just not put any effort in and be like, yeah, sure, I like the music, I'll just keep listening to it. Um, and that is, contrary to what I said earlier, that is what I think is helpful about having film criticism or any criticism or any kind of suggestion of an opinion. It's not that I can copy people's opinion, but you get an awareness of to like, I can read something that someone's written about a piece of art that I like and be like, does that, does that sound reasonable to me? Does that sound something <laughs> I'd like to align myself with? And then kind of, I don't want to say copy an opinion because I don't want to just be copying people's opinions, but you can kind of it's it's how you form your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you kind of gauge your response based off of if that sounds reasonable to you. Because yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of the time, if if you're like, oh, I don't really know how I feel about this, and then someone is like, well, I think is awful, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, actually, I don't agree with that. Yeah. So like, maybe I do have an opinion. Like, yeah, I think sometimes it's good to just kind of judge a little bit based off like yeah. almost like how you respond to other people's yeah, opinions. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's that like. I don't know what the, the term is, but that kind of sense that um, it's like collective cognition where uh, you use other people in order to problem solve almost. Mm. And so I think it's fair enough to, to go to other people with a degree of kind of a critical perspective and think like, oh, yeah, like I agree with them on this, but not on this point. I think that's completely fine. Yeah, it's a bit of a sounding board. Is yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, can kind of gauge your own, because sometimes you read yeah, like you said, you read it, and then you're like, well, who asked you? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, cool, I clearly quite like that film, yeah, feel quite yeah. defensive about it. But sometimes you read something and you're like, oh, that's disappointing, damn it, yeah. I liked that film. And someone now, like, someone you respect has, has challenged Which is, I think then when it's easy to get annoyed at criticism, because you're like, it's ruined that film for me. Yeah. Mm -mm. But, um, I think it's really easy to be critical in like a vacuum, almost, because I think that's that's almost what I had in that year out where I was doing a lot of criticism was um, I just had my website and every now and then someone would comment something like, oh, I enjoyed this film or something and there wouldn't be much engagement. And I think it's really easy in that environment to be like very opinionated. Oh, yeah, and as soon just, as someone yeah. will like challenge you on something. Like I had this with like Alice where... Um, <laughs> just to call her out. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But like, I think it was like a really good thing Thing that mm. she did it like I don't I don't mean to but yeah I think because because it was like on very specific films like Alice is very knowledgeable mm. um and so there was what was it in the heights I think I was talking uh, to her about we had like a long discussion yeah, she about has strong that. opinions on in the heights yeah so it was it was that like really interesting thing of like oh like I need people to almost keep me in check almost mm. not to say that that's other people's role but like it's useful for me to have yeah. other people challenging that yeah definitely have a bit of pushback and then you can gauge if you want to defend your point of view or if you're like oh actually no I do see what you're saying yeah and I'll take that into account in future yeah but yeah nice cool cool <laughs> Anything else we'd like to talk about? I mean, to be honest, I feel like there's so many other things we'd like to talk about, but we are... Coming down to We're it. getting on. We're getting on a bit. We're, yeah, we're I feel like criticism has been the main thing. Yes. And, like, vague practice. Oh, for so. you. Or that we've talked about. Or that we've talked about, yeah. Yeah, I see. I yeah, sorry, yeah, we've missed a whole... That's fair enough. 
outside. We, we could, could just... do episode part two. Yeah, you just have to come back. <laughs> we can talk about screenwriting. Um... You say that and then you get like, people be like, no, <laughs> please no. <laughs> we'll put a poll up on the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you God. want Adam to return? Absolutely not. <laughs> I for one will be voting no as the, as the least oh, favourite podcast yeah, no, that, I think that's, that's warranted. <laughs> so I knew a yes from me. Oh, Therefore, you will be coming off. back. <laughs> Excuse me. He says your vote's more important. Is he holds Me. the power. Oh my god, yeah, you do a secret episode and I come along to the podcast and I'm like, what's this? Halfway through, Anna enters the room. <laughs> what are you doing? What's going on in here? <laughs> nothing, it's it's nothing podcast related. It's just an innocent chat with a microphone. <laughs> cool, well, I look forward to that then. Yeah. Well, maybe I shouldn't, maybe you two should. I'll just, I'll just leave. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you for Sorry. having me. I feel like this has been less formal. I, you know, when we get to the end of a guest episode, normally I'm like, thank you so much for coming on. And you're, you're just like, do you want me to do that? Yes, please. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on, Adam. It's been lovely having you. We've had some great chats. Really appreciate the time you've given up. Maybe we'll invite you back on soon. Thank you. <laughs> great. Thank you for having me. Good. Bye. Sorry, it's been... enjoyable. Okay, sorry that it was a bit all over the place. I'm oh, sorry. But that is our... It'll be fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It doesn't yeah, feel like we've it... done a whole hour. Yeah. I hope it hasn't been too much of me just kind of waffling about I things mean, I don't know much what about. what a podcast is okay. about. It's just you talking. You can't come on to a podcast <laughs> and be like, sorry, sorry I better I'm... not talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much space here. And also, like we said, nothing is fact-checked here, so you can spout as much shit <laughs> as you want. Nobody search anything I've set up, please. <laughs> there was a fact that you said at one point that I was like, interesting. If that's true, but I forgot what it was now. Oh, no. oh I want to know. <laughs> oh, when I'm editing it, I'll, I'll fact check you. Okay. Let you know. Yeah, can you can you like whenever I make a claim, kind of cut in say Anna here, <laughs> editor's note, he is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'd appreciate we'll that. Thank nice. you. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to our Ruby wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. We should have got drunk, damn it. Oh. Maybe for fifty. Okay. Fifty, I think would be good. When was the last time you got? Drunk. It was a year. March. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was at March. <laughs> our actual one year anniversary rather than our episode anniversary. Yeah, rather than our fortieth one. I think you wanna celebrate both, to be honest. What do you mean? Well, you gotta celebrate Celebrate any given opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the years but also every ten episodes. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> that's what we'd be doing if we celebrated this one. I think that'd be a great idea. Oh god. <laughs> As a fan of the show. <laughs> Nice, okay, well, I'll we'll consider your it. Target audience. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to wrap this up now, okay. then, I think, All right. before this gets <laughs> any more strange ideas. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll okay. be back in two weeks. Can I do the outro music? <laughs> yes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.